Welcome to Journey Under 30, a roadmap drawn in discovery. I'm Colin Barker. And I'm Thomas. No, wait. Nope. I am Alex nope. Taylor. All right. We are back from the swap episodes. Yeah. Um, and so we're back on our own podcast, which is all about us doing what we can do to be named in a future Forbes 30 Under 30. Uh, Alex, it's been a while since people have heard from us, at least on this uh, podcast feed. So yeah, how are you? Well, it's been a while since I've been talking to it's my friend. Anyway, yeah, very so, true. Um, I've been things have been getting pretty busy. Um, uh, the wedding season has been coming up, and I've been getting some gigs lined up. School semester is coming to a close, so I've been doing more events at the college. Um, I've been I started voice lessons along with guitar lessons, so there's been a lot to work on with both. And also, I'm planning a wedding, which is also really fun. <laughs> Man, just a lot, a lot, a lot going on. Um, yeah, how about you? Uh, there's, I'm kind of in a somewhat similar boat. Like, you know, uh, this is going to be, hang on, now I've got to double check my math. Yeah. Um, this is our second to last episode um, of me without a college degree or without a bachelor's mm. degree. Um, so we'll have one more episode that will air the Tuesday before my graduation. Um, so, you know, right now I'm getting ready for like just the end of the semester. I mean, I, I had... Uh, a group presentation uh, just the other week that kind of went extremely well. I mean, Good. way better than I expected. Um, and uh, that was about sustainable streaming, which we can get into some other day. Maybe after I graduate, we sure. can kind of talk about what that's all about. Because I think yeah. that I think as a musician, you'll definitely find that interesting. Certainly. Um, and then uh, you know, I have some some projects that are coming up here at the very end of the semester. Um, and you know, I have some paperwork based, not paperwork, but I have some, um, basically just all the information about what our network has done since I made it an LLC in February until yeah. like the end of the semester, I have to present to my mentor, uh, for a grade. Um, and that's basically what determines if I graduate or not. Wow. Um, yeah, no so stress. that'll be, yeah, <laughs> no stress at all. Um, yeah, no, but I mean, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, like I've been in some really good classes this semester. Mm -hmm. uh, there's one or two that I really just kind of were like eh, about, but like they're not they they weren't as big of hindrances on my life, I guess you could say, as I kind yeah. of expected them to be. So there's at least that. Um, so you know, I'm very definitely proud of of where uh, the company is though now because you know again as I've been preparing to present this stuff. Um, mm -hmm. It's cool seeing different things on paper mm -hmm. um, and just sort of seeing the different things that we've done. And, you know, coming out of that, um, coming out of that host swap that we just did, yeah. um, it's it, it was really cool. And like, you know, it was great. I got to see a lot of the feedback um, from people and people really seem to enjoy the episodes, um, which mm -hmm. I think is good. Yeah. Yeah. It is sometimes hard to just sort of drop someone brand new in someone's lap and have them uh, be accepted, um, just like right off the bat. But people really Certainly. seem to to take to those episodes. So definitely, well, I think it really attests to like the importance of well, not just the well, I guess the importance of building a community, right? Mm -hmm. Because in a way, well, well, in a way, we kind of are building a community, building a community with like building this giant network of podcasts, and we're, you know, we're all supporting each other and just you know. Right. No, and I th I th I think it's cool because the thing is that if if people are willing to stick around for more than just the first 2 minutes to actually see what two hosts are like, they'll sort of get to see a little bit more about those people, right? They still get to get the show that they normally do. It's yeah. just someone else hosting it. But then if they really want to listen to that host, if they're like, "Well, I you know, for example, like we were on Spooky Spouses, and so if you are a really good friend of ours and you really want to hear us talk, you would go out to Spooky Spouses and listen to it. But maybe if, you know, again, because you're our friend and you normally listen to this show, then you would go and still stay and listen to the episode when Thomas and Morgan were on. And they did a fantastic job. They did. Um, and then, you know, again, on the flip side, then if you're also a Spooky Spouses fan and you're like, well, I didn't get to hear Jordan and Lindsay this week, but I really would like to hear what their take is on historical hotties. And that episode was extremely funny. Yeah. Uh, and I think maybe just for me, especially because, you know, Jordan and uh, Jordan and I, I mean, rather, have had uh, a couple of conversations about how batshit crazy Tom DeLong is. <laughs> uh -huh. So, you know, that was definitely pretty fun. Um, well, that's definitely a deep well of conversation. 
It, oh God, it really is. <laughs> now, uh, Alex, you know we're uh, about to head into like a slightly different format than usual. No, um, which is okay. I think you know. I mean, we're you and I have been talking a little bit about how we can change things up a little bit just Certainly. to see. Just again, you know, this is still a new podcast, so you know, we're still sort of figuring out our our way here. Yeah, but before we get into that, what? Fourteen whole episodes. It's like twice as lucky, right? Uh, it's you know, it's it's I, a I uh, it's it's a it's a roadmap that's drawn in discovery, Alex, and that's that's, that's what we're the doing slogan here today. The show, people. It is. This is we're we're look we're drawing right now with our sense of discovery. But before we get to uh, all of that, <laughs> uh, we do have uh, we've done this before once on the show. We did a personality test. Yeah. Um, that I stole from. Uh, Dr. Kendra Reed's management and organizational uh, management. Um, so what's up, Dr. Reed? I know you listen to the show. Uh, big, big fan of yours, Kendra. Uh, I drop by uh, her office probably two, maybe three times a week, honestly, and we just hang out. Um, cool. She has snacks in her office. So like basically half of her students are always just dropping by just to grab a protein bar or grab a Diet Coke or something. And, you know, sometimes I'm just there for five minutes. Sometimes I'm there for like half an hour, you know, just a cool teacher. You know, it's cool to sit down and talk about life, talk about just nothing, you know, and talk about the class. That, um, that makes me want to actually go to Loyola now. Dude, the, the, the school is awesome. Like uh, for real, if you're not in college or if you're looking for a college to kind of get into or like you know for example if you're like me and you took some time off and you're like where can i go um i will give you a small warning that you know because it's a private school like it's still expensive even with financial aid and everything like that like i I mean i'm six figures in debt like i think we've talked about that before on this podcast but i mean between going to towson going to hcc and then coming down here um and then obviously interest between those four things yeah. I am now six figures in debt. If you look at just the amount that I've pulled out, I'm not six figures, but the interest pulls me there. Yeah. Um, but, you. you know, the thing is, though, is it really is a great school. And I was Definitely. just actually reading a tweet today and from my time hop that was talking about um, how I like this time last year, I was like, I can't believe that I ever considered another school. Yeah. Um, and I really do kind of strongly suggest going with a small school. Not that big schools aren't great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, for example, I mean, the fact that I'm sitting down with my mentor to talk about everything that it is that I do, and that's determining whether I graduate or not. I mean, look, I'll, I'll graduate regardless. It's yeah. just more of like, will I graduate with an A in my career, basically? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because this is a senior, like, uh, independent study, basically. Um, yeah, it's like a senior and, thesis, kind of. Yeah, exactly. It, it, they they just don't call it that. Technically, they had this thing called senior seminar, mm-hmm. um, but that is a kind of a group effort. And I was given an individual project because that fit me better. Nice. And was all, again, you know, my whole thing was like there that senior seminar thing is all music industry based, and it's very clear that although I came to the school for music industry, I've taken on more of the industry side of things, and you know, this stuff that I'm doing now is not fully related. So. And also, I'm older yeah. and all this other stuff. And the teacher was like, we need to get you a project that fits you better. Um, yeah. But teachers like that, literally, I just have so many teachers that are thoroughly invested in my future. And the amount of teachers who have said, who have heard about the stuff that we do and have said, uh, please be sure to keep in contact after you leave. I really want to hear where this goes or hear where that goes or et cetera, yeah. et cetera. I mean, like, you know, the mentors probably we're probably still going to talk probably once a month even after i leave yeah uh, once every month just to kind of catch up and to say what are you working on now what and then for me to go what can i do next yeah um so i mean again seriously just such a great school amazing opportunities really great community to be a part of and a really great city to live in honestly um especially if you're an arts person new orleans always has something going on um but uh, anyway, what we were talking about, though, <laughs> was the personality tests for yes. industry people. Uh-huh. Um, and so we kind of have two. They're both the same type of test. It's just they test your brain in a slightly different way. Yeah. Um, so if you want, you can write these things down um, as we go. Like, just kind of give yourself one keyword so that you remember what the things are. Yeah. Um, and so the first test that I'm going to give you is about priorities. And so I'm going to give you a list of things that are happening all at one time. 
Yeah. And and the idea is that like every single one of these actions has to come from you, right? No one else can do these things. It's just that you're going to pick what opportunity or which thing is going to get your priority first. Okay. Yeah. Here are the five of the five things that you're going to be putting in order of most important to least important. Okay. You have a baby and it is crying and it needs you. The telephone is ringing. Right, you're expecting an important phone call, and there's no answering machine or vo- voicemail. The doorbell is ringing, and you can hear the person knocking. There is dry laundry hanging outside, and it's beginning to rain. And the water faucet in the kitchen is running and is about to overflow. Okay. So put those in order of which order, like up, like which thing do you grab first? Which thing do you, you know, what I mean? And like you will get to all of them. It's just you know in which order. Tell me what your order is. So my order is, so right now, so crying baby, telephone okay. ringing, doorbell, water faucet, and dry laundry. Okay, here we go. So you and I had, um, this is very interesting. Our very first one is the exact same. Okay. You said baby. I, I did as well. Mm-hmm. By choosing the baby, that means that you choose family first. Like family is the first priority for you. The second thing you responded was phone, and that is job or career comes second. Mm-hmm. Knocking stands for friends. Let's see. Number four it was water. Uh, water is uh, money. Mm-hmm. That's you know your financial standpoint. Yeah. And the fifth thing that you said was uh, laundry in the rain. Uh, laundry is equivalent to love. Um, you know, I'm not 100 sure where that connection necessarily comes from but i guess maybe it's it's not just your clothing that might be out there i guess i don't know um again it's just a personality test but that doesn't necessarily mean that love is not a priority for you it may mean that you know you're more comfortable in your love life so now it doesn't have as high a standing yeah um well and you know what oh go ahead i'm sorry no i was just gonna say because like for me like for instance like i had knocking kind of low Mm -hmm. right but that's because for me, like, my family is really mostly just my friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's why when I saw that family was first, like, what's interesting is that I did think of people like Jeb and Sam or my parents. But, like, when I heard that, because, again, like, we were going down this list and um, the baby is the first thing that's mentioned. And it was also the first thing that I prioritized, right? Yeah. Um, but the second they said family, I thought immediately of also people like you and Michael and Graham. Yeah. You know, I was like, okay, that tracks. And then when they said friends later, I was like, oh, that's weird. Shows maybe wh- how you prioritize people too. Because like I prioritize you guys first, but then people who I'm just just friends with that like I kind of get along with, but you know, I'm not super close with, they would come later. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess that does still track. Yeah. Well, I guess when I was kind of or- organizing these things, I was thinking less of kind of like what they mean as a metaphor and more for like, if I was like legitimately in the situation, like, okay, so crying baby, that's like a human, that is a, a living thing that has needs that I need to meet. Okay. Then after that, well, so actually let me start. Well, so I did the top, let me actually go from the bottom up. So dry laundry about to rain, that can be fixed. I mean, unless it's like a super, super delicate thing, but that can be replaced, you know, with water faucet mm-hmm. running about to overflow. If it overflows, then th- there are ways to fix that, right? You just grab a towel, you dry it up. With doorbell ringing, if it's super important and they need to see me, then I, I, at the risk of sounding like a jerk, they can wait, especially if, you know, they know I have a crying child that has needs. With telephone right. ringing, like... If if it's a super important phone call, I'm probably going to pri- prioritize that over dry laundry or like a doorbell and then crying baby. Well, again, it's a living thing has needs. So Right. Now, I will say this. When I was reading everything back to you, because I now have a copy of the test, yeah. I did not know because when I was first, when I was given this test, I was not told there is no voicemail available. Yeah. Right. So that's why for me, interestingly enough, voicemail is at the bottom. Um. And it's it's interesting, like, you and I kind of did do a somewhat similar thing of like, okay, well, what makes sense to do in this order? But I do think that at the same time, right, for you and yeah. I, we do care about how others feel. So like, of having course. a baby, if you know that you have a priority, but like, there are definitely people who like, for instance, in our class, when, when some when the teacher asked, like, you know, where was the baby for you? Some people were like, last. And like, one one time, she asked this one guy, like, why was the baby last for you? And he goes, because I don't want a fucking kid. 
So, uh, you know, that was like his literal response. He was like, he's like, I don't want to get babies because if I had a baby, then something went wrong. Um, and like some people thought that was funny. And I was kind of like, well, that's not exactly well, a great yeah, mentality uh, to have. But also like he's, you know, 20 and he's like, he, you know, he's not at that point in his life. So yeah. it makes sense to be that mindset. The way that we think, quote unquote, logically, mm-hmm. I think really does end up having a, a category in our head, which is very interesting. Certainly. Um, so we're going to do one more. It's f- fairly similar, um, but it's not quite the same. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give you five animals. Mm-hmm. Okay. What you're going to do is, is you're going to put them in order of your preference. Mm-hmm. A cow, a tiger, sheep, horse, a monkey. Monkey. Okay. Um, for my animal preferences, I went with the tiger, the cow, the horse, the sheep, and the monkey. So, so the reason why I picked each thing was so with the tiger, I kind of have a a soft spot for tigers and I guess leopards too because when I was in um, elementary school, I did a, a big project on the snow leopard, and I don't know mm-hmm. why that really sticks out to me so much, but it was just like, oh yeah, snow leopards. I really like, you know, I really learned a lot and really enjoyed that project. Um, the next thing for me was the cow. The reason for that was mm-hmm. my family actually had a farm where we had cows, and I had fond memories of those cows. Um, and just a lot of nice associations with those memories. Um, next thing, horse. So my um, in my family, there have been a lot of people who have been involved with horses. So my dad was a farrier, or the guy who puts like the horseshoes on horses. My godfather is currently a farrier, and my fiance rides horses. Um, for the sheep, I don't really have any associations associations with sheep <laughs> and i guess i'd probably put the monkey above the sheep just because good the whole like common ancestor like closest related animal sort of thing so i put okay the so wait so are sheep. you swapping yes you're gonna swap okay all right one second now that is very interesting and i think that does actually end up tracking for you uh-huh. right um so real quick i'm gonna tell you about um the sheep, right? Because I think that's going to show kind of something that I had said about your first quiz. Yeah. True, right? So sheep represents love in this situation, right? Yeah. Because in a, to a certain extent, like when Jesus. you have <laughs> sort of, it's it's also about like, you know, kind of like finding your flock in a way, yeah. right? But again, remember what I said in the last one, just because that shows like represents one thing and like that's a priority or whatever sometimes that means that you've already found that so like it's not it's not as relevant anymore because you're like well i have that squared away that's true so you're not looking for it right so once again you ended up with like love kind of like at at the bottom but like you just said to me like five ten minutes ago you're organizing a wedding so like you're not looking for love anymore you have it yeah um now let's start uh actually no you know what let's just work backwards here since we've already started at the bottom monkey um represents um Money. Mm-hmm. So interestingly enough, once again, monkey, not monkey, I meant money. Money and job are both fourth and fifth place for you. Yeah. Um, so that also kind of kind of tracks. Um, the third thing you said was horse. Horse is family. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that this time horse is lower, but again, I guess it's just different ways of looking at things. Yeah. Um a cow is career. Um I'm not sure where that connection comes in, but um, and now here's the cool thing. You and I both had tiger first as well. So in both of these exercises, you and I both had the same first priority or first preference or whatever. Yeah. Um, so a tiger stands for pride or accomplishment or success, something something along those lines, right? Yeah. So I think that that is interesting because considering the show that we are recording right now, yeah, we are focused on not just our pride and our accomplishments and our successes, but we're focused on other people's as well. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's a very interesting connection between those two things. Certainly. Let's kind of explain what we're going to be doing uh, both on this episode and the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, just so people at home know kind of what's what the deal is. As we're sort of experimenting with the show and like the process and you know what we really kind of want to make this show into. As um, some how we call can make it, it the experimental arcs. Right, exactly. You know, in a way, it's kind of like, you know, you're looking at that roadmap and you're kind of like, okay, there's like five different pathways that we can get to whatever point we're at right now. Okay, sorry. So there's there's multiple paths to, to the same point. And so we're sort of um, looking at this and saying, okay, well, then let's kind of 
deviate a little bit from the main path and just sort of see if any of these paths may actually be faster yeah. or may have better better scenery or something. Who knows? Yeah. Um, we have ideas on things that we'd really like to do with this show. Um, and part of that is kind of a thing where we have to build build up to that. Um, you know, you do have to drive down that road a little bit before you can hit the main attractions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're going to try is, you know, something that has probably not been some super helpful to us maybe in the past has been the fact that a lot of the times we'll both present somebody in each episode, which is great, but yeah. there are only so many careers that maybe we enjoy or that we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And so it might be difficult to... Uh, continue the show on long term if we work our way through every single career that we like within the first year or two. Yeah. Um. So that being said, what we're going to try doing for this week and the next week is is this week I'm going to present one person, and then next episode Alex is going to present somebody, and on each episode we're both going to take like five maybe ten minutes longer than we normally would to dive a little deeper into those careers. Um. And then we'll talk a little bit longer on the lessons that we've learned since we've probably heard more. Yeah. And then, you know, we'll kind of, we'll see sort of how that goes, kind of going back and forth between one person presenting each week, um, just to sort of help break up uh, the idea of like, maybe this way we're not rushing, you know, um, through all these careers and rushing through these people. Um, Because who knows, maybe people wanted to hear a little bit more about, um, unfortunately, off the top of my head, I can only remember people that I presented. Um, Me too. But maybe people have wanted to hear uh, more about Carly Rae Jepsen or Bernie Burns or... Um, Mania Huja or Groove Shark Guys. <laughs> oh, yeah, Groove Shark. Okay, hey, sorry. I don't mean to keep derailing this, but interestingly enough, on a paper that I just wrote the other day, or an essay question, rather, um, we were talking about um, something for DMCAs and some other, like, safe harbor stuff, Yeah. and I ended up bringing up Groove Shark, which we never learned about in that class, but... It was something that I knew all about because of the fact that we did this podcast. So yeah. uh, my teacher was definitely impressed that I knew about that. And I was mm. like, hell yeah, I know about it. Hell yeah. We're going to break into uh, this next section and start talking about um, the person that I'm going to present this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we do that, let's take a real quick ad break. What do you say, Alex? I think that sounds great. So our first ad comes from Elevator Pitch. For those movie lovers who can't get enough, and for those haters who just want their movies short, silly and in their ears is Elevator Pitch. Best friends Miles Neuverth, N-E-U-V-I-R-T-H, and Tristan Miller improvise fake movies based on a weekly prompt to win the right to escape the elevator in which they're trapped. But neither of them can get out unless you listen. Elevator Pitch comes out every Friday on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podable, and most other podcatchers. Going up! And our next ad is actually from a sponsor of ours. Uh, welcome to the Scavengers Network, Nectar. Hello, Nectar. Uh, Nectar makes the most comfortable mattress available. And they sell uh, Nectar directly to you, uh, cutting out the middleman and markups. You enjoy the best mattress at a much better price because of this. Um, and Nectar has designed, uh, sorry, is designed rather for every type of sleeper and arrives backed by our full comfort guarantee and forever warranty. Plus, and now this part is actually really cool to me because most places have 30 days, maybe yeah. 60 days. What, what's probably the most you've ever heard of, Alex? Maybe 90 days? Probably, yeah, not like a 90 day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guess what? With Nectar, you get a full year sleep trial. So you can make sure Nectar is right for you at no risk. Well, and you know, the thing about that is that at least for me, like I never really know if I really want something unless I've like been engaging with it for about a year. You know, it's like, like 30 days is never really enough for me to decide, okay, well this, I find this thing super valuable and I find that it contributes to my life. Maybe I shouldn't get rid of it. So yeah, no, for real. Like that, that is definitely a thing. I mean, like it's tough. Like I think trial periods are important and I get why you need to keep them short. But I mean, like for real, especially with a bed, I've definitely had the bed that I have at my parents' house is a bed where I thought it was super comfortable for my first like 30, 40 days. And then after like a month after it was past like the time in which I could return it, that's when I started to hate it. 
Um, but maybe maybe it's time to jump into Nectar because Nectar arrives straight to your door. Um, and if you like, uh, they can not only set up your Nectar, but they'll also remove your old mattress, which is Ooh, pretty awesome. That's cool. Um, and thousands, thousands of Nectar customers and over 20 mattress review sites think that Nectar is the most comfortable mattress. mattress. Thousands of Nectar customers and over 20 mattress review sites think Nectar is the most comfortable mattress you can purchase. And if you don't agree, we'll take Nectar back and refund your full purchase. Now, do you get your bed back, too? Probably not. <laughs> uh, I imagine that that's disposed of. Yeah. But Nectar provides you with a full year, 365 nights to enjoy Nectar and figure out if Nectar is right for you. If you decide for any reason that Nectar is not your ideal mattress, we'll remove the mattress from your home and refund you uh, refund your payment 100%. Our risk-free trial is three times longer than any other we have seen. Um, fewer than 3% of Nectar sleepers return their Nectar. And now our listeners can take $100 off their purchase Ooh. of a mattress if they go to bit.ly slash scavsleep. That's all lowercase s-c-a-v-s-l-e-e-p. No wonder everybody wants a Nectar mattress. Uh, and before we head back into the episode, this is just a real quick reminder. Stacked Like Pancakes is still running their fun drive for their latest album, Strange Creatures, and it can be found at smarturl.it slash strange creatures. There's only five days left at the time that this episode airs, um, and at the time of recording, we're, there's about uh, 18% left on the goal left. Oh, wow. um, so definitely make sure that you get out there now and help make this incredible album come to life. Um, and uh, now I guess it's back to the main, main show. What do you think, Alex? Sounds good. Okay, Alex, um, this yes, week, sir. you know, I would like to take some time to present another person who I think um, should have been given a Forbes 30 under 30 title. Yeah. Um, I do think that, okay, so, you know, uh, we've mentioned this a million times, but, uh, you know, the 30 under 30 list started in 2011. Yeah. So that list has only been around for seven years. Yeah. Um, and so we we haven't seen... Uh, many opportunities for some of these people. Um, but also that means that there's a lot of people before 2011 that should have had this honor, but just weren't given this honor because it didn't exist. Yeah. Um, and so this is a career that I've been following for like, God, I mean, as honestly, as long as I can remember. And it's a career that I think that if the 30 under 30 had been around back then, mm -hmm. absolutely would have been on this list. Um, and so I would like to present to you today, Mark Allen Hoppus. Hmm. Mark Hoppus is a record producer and TV personality, but he is best known as the bassist and co-lead vocalist for the pop punk band Blink-182. Hmm. Um, Thought he sounded I familiar. I don't think it's a surprise. What's that? Thought he sounded familiar. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a surprise to many people that I'm going to talk about Blink-182. I love Blink-182 mm -hmm. very much. I've, uh, I'm a frequent guest on Blink and You'll Miss It, the podcast that's all about like the discography of Blink-182 yeah. and the side projects based around that group. Um, I'm on a total of 11 episodes this season, oh, wow. or this year rather. Um, so, I mean, I think I have the highest percentage of guesting. And uh, I mean, honestly, I would be on as many episodes as I probably could. It's just so much fun to talk about this band. That show is hosted by another Mim Bim Bambino podcaster, James Anderson. Mm -hmm. uh, so definitely give him a listen. It's a really great show. You know, we talk frequently about Mark Hoppus because he's one third of the band. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we can kind of talk a little bit about his his upbringing a little bit, but that's not really what we're focusing on. Um, he was born in Ridgecrest, California. He was into skateboarding and punk rock, which obviously makes sense. Yeah. Uh, at the age of 15, he was given his first bass guitar. And uh, his family moved to San Diego in 1992, the year after I was born and the year that you were born. Hmm. Um, and his sister introduced him to Tom DeLonge, who we've mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, and the and th they, along with Scott Rayner, uh, formed the band Blink-182. Hmm. Now that both Rayner and DeLonge have departed from the band in the years 1998 and 2015, uh, Hoppus is now the only remaining founding member of Blink-182. Interesting. Um, and that does not bother me in the slightest, because I think that 
If you were going to have any of those three stay, I think he's the one that makes the most amount of sense. Yeah. Blink-182 had kind of a interesting start. So let's kind of start off with just the band again. You know, again, it was Tom DeLonge and Scott Rayner. They uh, were in the same neighborhood. His sister introduced them. They were just kind of hanging out in in Tom DeLonge's uh, garage mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know, they were just kind of jamming, hanging out. And uh, then eventually, you know, again, like I said, 1992, like when the band had really kind of started and actually started writing music together, mm-hmm. not just kind of jamming. Um, their first time getting together to like actually write music they ended up writing a song called carousel Mm -hmm. which is still to this day one of the band's biggest hits yeah um so to me i mean even though they've clearly grown as musicians it shows that even at a young age they they really had a sensibility of music and what makes a hit yeah the band started off kind of you know small and didn't do much they made um a couple eps that didn't really go anywhere but the, their first album, Cheshire Cat, came out in 1995. Mm-hmm. It was actually a pretty strong selling album for an independent band, uh, and it was pretty like iconic in the, you know, in the skating community. Yeah. Um, then the band signed on for their first national tour that same year, uh, and they went with a whole bunch of bands. Two of them, I don't think you really hear about anymore, Sprung Monkey and Seven Seconds. Um, There's another band that I feel like maybe you still don't hear about to this day, but it's a band that I definitely followed a lot when I was this age, uh, was Unwritten Law. Um, So I've definitely followed that group a lot as well. But the band really started to kind of build up this huge huge following, and they kind of got their big hit— their big success came from joining, a, a really, the, the year 1996 in general, right? Yeah. Because they joined MCA Records, um, and they co-distributed the the next release, which was their second album, Dude Ranch. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hoppus penned the record's lead single, Damn It, which is still like one of the biggest pop-punk hits uh, of today, even. You know? I mean, it's a, it was a nationwide rock radio hit Um it was a single. I can't remember where it placed on the charts, but I mean, it it placed extremely highly, and it is still just like Carousel, right? One of their earliest songs, and still one of the most highly um, played songs, one of the highest covered songs. I mean, yeah. it's just a really great song. It was actually for me the first song I ever heard by Blink One Eighty Two, and that's what caused me to buy their my very first CD ever, which was Enema of the State. Mm-hmm. This is where you really started to see the success roll in for the band, right? Because yeah. uh, they had just picked up Travis Barker, um, who is their current drummer. Um, he joined after Rayner got fired. Uh, they, you know, there's a lot of kind of weird stuff about Rayner leaving, right? Like people think that it's this thing, but then it was never fully stated. But I mean, it clearly comes from the fact that he was having a drinking problem and a, a uh, drug issue and yeah. it was causing some some major rifts in the band. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had been touring with the Aquabats, another band that I really love. Mm-hmm. And that's where they met Travis Barker. And Travis Barker was the, the drummer of the Aquabats. Um, and uh, actually, real quick, recently, Travis Barker played with them for the uh, 20th anniversary of the album that he was recorded on for Aquabats, uh, which is The Fury of the Aquabats. Yeah. He did like a reunion show with them, and he's going to play with them at a festival coming up as well, which is really great. You know, he's made a point to be like, never forget where you come from. Yeah. And I think that's awesome because this is a style of music that most people that listen to him now, you know, in like the rap and hip hop world would never, I think, expect to to hear him. So I think that's kind of a cool crossing of the worlds. But yeah. when I hear about Travis Barker, we'll come back to him some other day. So the three of them, Barker, DeLong, and Hoppus, they wrote, recorded uh, Enema of the State, which that that's basically what put them into, uh, you know, just the overall world of pop music, right? Because it wasn't just pop punk. It was like they were on the radio all the time. They were one of the biggest acts in America for for a bit there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having gone on Vans Warp Tour and then doing this, they had huge songs such as What's My Age Again um, and All the Small Things. Those two songs both came from Enema of the State. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, again, it was just huge, huge, huge commercial success. Yeah. Um, the band then did a follow-up to that album, which was Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. Um but, uh, you know, basically, he... so, okay, sorry. So, you know, this is where, again, another huge successful album 
a lot of really big hits from there. Uh, Rock Show, First Date. Um, those are the two big singles from that album. Mm -hmm. Now, this is probably where we'll stop for a moment. Okay. I would like to talk just a little bit about where his life continued after that. Mm -hmm. But this point right here, this is where he hits the age of 30. Yeah. Um, but between all of that stuff that we've talked about so far, this is a huge amount of, uh, I mean, if that's where his career ended, mm -hmm. I think that no one would be surprised if he had made the 30 under 30. Yeah. If that's where, again, if 30, if, if that had been around at that time, mm -hmm. um, you know, had been a part of a band that started from a garage that was, you know, selling out, uh, venues all over the world. And I mean, like literally like finishing out huge festivals in like Australia, in the UK and America and selling like thousands upon thousands of tickets for these things. Um, somewhere online, you can still see them playing at, I think it's called big day out or something like that, yeah. which is an Australia show. And I mean, it's like tens of thousands of people are there to see them. I mean, it's, it's wild. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just so good. Um, you know, and Mark Hoppus has written a lot of the 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 big successful hits of the band. Yeah. Um, you know, all the small things is is one of the the big ones that he was not the main songwriter for, but he was one of the writers on it. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, again, this this guy has just really got his finger on the pulse. Uh, after this, so now we'll move past the thirty a little bit, just to sort of talk about kind of how his life continued. Yeah. Um, he, you know, has been a, a record producer since I think 2002, 2003. Um, and he's worked with a lot of bands, honestly, a lot of the bands that then were inspired by him mm -hmm. and his music. He's worked with bands like Phoenix TX, uh, and All Time Low and Fall Out Boy and, um, oh God, who's that other band that's out there right now? Not a day to remember, but it's, um. Uh, they just went on tour with them not that long ago. I'll I'll remember it at some point, I'm sure. Yeah. But I mean, again, a lot of pop punk bands have, you know, gone to him for record producing and he's a real good sport about the fact that it's very clearly um inspired by his music. Um and I think it's cool because in a way he kind of takes these acts under his wing and helps push them further. Yeah. Um there was a small rift that was pushed between the band members of Hoppus and DeLong um in 2003. Um, they had, <sighs> okay. So in 2003, basically like this is where the band really kind of gets heavy. Uh, they had just put out their fifth album, which was this experimental thing, um, and a little bit of pop punk, but really not much. Yeah. Um, and it was, I mean, I, again, there are some people who think that that's the best album of all time. In my opinion, it's the worst one. Yeah. Um, and again, I think it's because there's no coherent vision on that album. Mm -hmm. It's just all over the place. And uh, it's Tom DeLong just kind of essentially, and just, it's not great. I'm going to have to edit that line out. Mm -hmm. Colin, don't forget to edit that, please. In 2005, though, the band broke up and Mark Hoppus just kind of felt pretty broken up about that. Um, that was, you know, Blink-182 was basically his identity. Yeah. Um, you know, he started working on some some stuff. Um, he, you know, was producing and working with groups like Motion City Soundtrack. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Mark uh, Mark and Travis ended up uh, working together on a new band called Plus 44, yeah. which I really dug that project. They had one album called When Your Heart Stops Beating, which came out in 20, uh, uh, 2006. Um, it's weird. It, it unfortunately sold kind of poorly. Um but it just, um, yeah, it just, it wasn't great. Um, yeah. the, uh, the, the, the reviews, um, this is a, an unfortunate moment here. So the person who, um, produced that album though, yeah. was Jerry Finn, who had produced basically all of the band's big albums, yeah. um, for Blink-182. And he had been sort of this mentor as well, you know, to Hoppus. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, right when they were working on the second Plus 44 album, that is when Jerry Finn unfortunately passed away. Oh. Um, the following month after that death, uh, Travis Barker and his collaborator, Adam Goldstein, which was otherwise known as DJAM, um, they were in a plane crash that killed four people. Um, and uh, Barker, um, you know, Barker was severely uh, impacted by this. Yeah. You know, um, 
it, it, it got rough, you know, for him. Uh, he now still to, to this day does not fly. Yeah. Um, Hoppus boarded a plane immediately to the burn unit, and uh, he and DeLong were reconnected uh, because of these tragic circumstances. And uh, not that long after, the band regrouped uh, because it was this thing of like, you know, we're picking up where we left off, and then some were in the studio writing and recording a new album, preparing to tour the world yet again. Friendships reformed 17 years deep in our legacy. That was what uh, their band's official statement was. Yeah. Um, and now to finish everything off, the, the band got back together, but of course, as much as they thought that they could just come back into it, DeLong still was not really working with the band. Uh, Neighborhoods came out, and it was not great. And um, Neighborhoods was... It, it it had potential, but again, it was still a thing of like, it just was disheveled and not really well done. Then, uh, not that long after, the band was kind of touring and doing some stuff and, you know, were they were kind of in the middle of working on some new music when <sighs> Tom DeLong once again left. Yeah. And it was right before a huge show that they were coming, that they had coming up in 2015. Blink-182 said, that's it, we're not breaking up again. If Tom doesn't want to be a part of this, then Tom doesn't have to be a part of it. Yeah. So they brought in uh, Matt Skiba, and uh, Matt Skiba has been with Blink-182 ever since, yeah. which was the three of them penning um, the band, not the band, sorry, the album California and California Deluxe, which came out uh, last year and the year before that. And it just, I mean, again, severely, like just such really good albums, really. Yeah. I really appreciate those albums, even if there's some stuff on it that may not necessarily be their best. You know, the, I think that no, no album's going to be 100% hits all the way through, you know? Yeah. Um, and they're still going strong. They just posted a photo the other day saying that the band was getting ready to record new music once again. Um, th they were in the studio. Travis Barker was laying down some drum beats. Yeah. And the three of them had a picture taken of them in the studio. So, um, you know, Blink-22 is still going strong. Yeah. And I firmly believe that it's all because of Mark Hoppus um, kind of still being the champion, if you will. Certainly. Uh, for the band as the only remaining founder. Um, but again, if you stopped at 2001 and said, you know, is this man worthy of Forbes 30 under 30? Absolutely. Amazing, amazing career and an amazing musician. Um, and I think that uh, really very few people from that time period would deserve it more than him. Yeah, definitely. Well, and as someone who maybe hasn't always been as much of a fan of Blink-182, actually, the, the first album I heard from them was probably the album that you had mentioned that you're not really the biggest fan of. Like, it's nice to hear a different perspective on some on someone who's a part of maybe a project that I haven't really appreciated outside of just the music, you know, hearing more about the person mm. themselves. And there are actually a couple of things that I took away from this. So one, I mean, it's not always just the talent that gets you successful, right? I mean, not to, not to mm -hmm. detract from Mark Hoppus's like talent as a songwriter. I mean, he may not be the most technical bassist, but he's sure as hell perseverant, you know, keeping on in the face of adversity, like within the constant right. flux in Blink-182, the loss of his friends. And the, I was actually reading up a, um, up a bit on him and just with the constant setbacks and plus 44. Um, another thing is professionalism, you know, with um, with early Blink and the drummer that they'd had with who was going through his own battles. But it se always seems like Travis... Travis always has a uh, no. I apologize. Mark Hoppus always has an air. Of, always has an air of professionalism about him. You know, he's strict. Mm. He's even if he's kind of gone through different images, he's always stayed away from like that crazy rock star persona, and he always just comes off as a sort of like no nonsense sort of guy, and it shows through his work ethic. And I guess the um yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. I, I was gonna say like not to cut you off. Like I think what's great about that is the fact that like sometimes just a hair behind the scenes, but mostly like his antics of like that rock star stuff is only on stage, you know, like yeah. there's sure there's been some bits of like, you know, singing inappropriate songs or doing stunts where like they do a music video in the nude dudes out there just kind of rocking out and running around a city and doing silly things. But, you know, I think having that producer side of him yeah. meant that when they were doing the business stuff, like he was like, like, all right, time to settle down, time to get like, get, get into it. Yeah. And I guess a last thing that I've kind of pulled from him is, well, there's a thread that we've kind of found through a lot of the um, people that we've seen on the 
Um, the journey, the list of the Forbes list of um, 30 under 30, right? Why am I forgetting the name of the thing mm-hmm. that we're doing a podcast about? And it's interesting that you pull, you named Mark Hoppus as someone that you think should be on the list because he gives back, right? Mm-hmm. Or he, so like with a lot of the other people that we've seen, like they find some way to give back to their field, whether it's with now I'm blanking on people. I'm like with Mini Ahuja, who kind of found a way to create a central right. source yeah, for yeah, hedge yeah, funds, yeah. right? Or with, um, I forget your person, but the person who would crash the tech parties, right? How she would kind of create yes. a a platform for showing like advances in or, like new technology and just kind of showing like an insider right. perspective. Like with Mark, like he's, one thing I found is he, ha- he had a podcast called Hi, My Name is Mark, where he used his platform. Yes, and I love that show so much. Yeah, where he used his platform as someone in the industry to bring awareness to a more underground artists like um he had like matt and kim fun and japan droids who mm-hmm. with the last group i'm actually a bit they're i'm kind of a new fan to them it's interesting to see that there's this narrative thread of just bringing awareness when that's also something that we're trying to do ourselves whether it's with bringing awareness to different people different podcasts on our network bringing awareness to different people on the forbes 30 under 30 or people that maybe haven't gotten on and you know, it's just interesting to to trace that kind of that thread through p- different people have gotten on the list and see how that has kind of become more of an important element in our own work as well. So I agree. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's that thing of I, I think there is a lot of stuff that I kind of identify with um, with Mark Hoppus. Um, yeah. Not just like in his music and like the way he writes like lyrically. Um, I mean, again, you know, he has some, like, as much as some people will joke about Blink-182, he has written some lyrics that are just, like, heavy yeah. or extremely, like, thoughtful. Um, and then on the flip side, he can get into those antics of writing songs about lewd sexual acts and stuff like that. So, you know, he he can kind of do it all, right? You know, he can do those goofy moments, which is something that I definitely appreciate because I used to be kind of a little bit of a class clown when I was younger, um, but can still turn around and be professional and, you know, do this thing of like, I want to help pull the things that I believe in up, yeah. you know, because I have an opportunity to do so and have people hear me talk about it. Um and I really, I really appreciate that. And I really, I really uh, kind of get, I, I can get behind that type of mentality. Yeah, certainly. And that idea of like, you know, something else that like I really appreciate about him that I've learned from him, I think. And I think this is kind of where maybe I get some of this from is the idea of like, when I have a project, I'm not going to give up on it until it is like, like, unless it is like crashed and burned. You know, it's like, I need to stick with this because like, you know, for him, for instance, Tom DeLonge leaving again, he was just like, fuck it. Like, we're not stopping this band. Like this band, like this is our identity. And like, you know, his whole, like he had had this whole post about like Blink-182 for life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, like this life is my life. Yeah. The, sorry, that's what I meant. He said Blink-182 life for life. Yeah. Um, and it was like, this is who I am. This is what I do. And like, no one's going to ever get anything else out of me. Yeah. And I feel that same way about the work that we do. You know, Certainly. I'm very much always like this network is, is what I am basically. Um, and I like that we can then do some of the things that he does for other people and help create a home for others as well. Certainly. But what about you guys out there listening? Is there anything about Mark Hoppus's career that maybe I overlooked or certain aspects of him that maybe you think have helped with his longevity in this field and his career? Um, or is there another lesson maybe that we could have learned from him that we can apply to our own careers? You know, let us know. Uh, tweet at us uh, or email us. Our email is scavengersnetwork at gmail.com. Uh, you know, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, and actually, now that you're mentioning uh, tweeting at us and our email address, I think that might actually be a good place to uh, leave it. What do you say? All right, yeah, that sounds good to me. So actually, what are you going to work on this week? Oh, that's a good question. Um, what I, Something that I'm going to work on this week is uh, this coming weekend is my last opportunity, really, before finals start hitting. Um, but we're going to be recording a new project. Yes, we are. Um, I'm hoping that that new project will air before my graduation. Mm-hmm. It just sort of kind of depends on the logistics. And again, because of finals and stuff, yeah. it may have to wait. But we do have a new project that's coming out, and I am unbelievably excited about Me it. Too. You and I have been doing a lot of like background stuff like for ourselves that, uh, on this project, yeah. but 
It's a network-wide project, and it is going to be such a blast. Like, I have been talking about this project uh, behind closed doors for, like, the last, like, four months, basically, uh, or last three months, rather, and, like, I just, I cannot wait to get into it. Um, but, yeah, no, like I said, though, this is my last full week of classes. Uh, after that, I only have a half week before final start, so awesome. I only have eight days of classes left in my college career. Holy shit. That's wild. I just now put that together. Yeah. I have single digit days of college left. This is crazy. You have a whole anyway, eight days yeah, in a no, week. Or eight at the time of recording. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so what about you though, Alex? What are you going to be working on? Um, maybe not things as uh, network wide. I mean, I've still been, I still need to finish up the music for accountability, the music for the anime book club. Um, I still actually need to uh, finish restringing my guitar since that's a bit of a work in progress. Anyway. Um, yeah. So that's all from me. How about you, listeners? What are you going to work okay. on this week? <laughs> like we said, tweet at us. Let us know. Yeah. Um, and hey, before we do our last little thing, that also reminds me, like, Alex and I have been talking about some careers that we want to talk about. I think we're going to kind of m focus a little bit more on careers that have not made the 30 under 30, yeah. because I think that's a little bit more relevant to us, True. too, right? Like, we're people who haven't made it. So what are some careers that, like, really should have been recognized that weren't? But if there's a career that you really like... That you and especially if it's someone who's hasn't quite made a huge break of it yet, but you know you think oh it would be really great if someone could recognize this career and have this person's voice be heard. Let us know because we would love to talk about people um, who maybe have not had their big break yet. Yeah, definitely. So. Um, please be sure to check out our other shows here on the Scavengers Network, such as Culture Shock, our news, reviews, and interviews video series about the arts world. Or if you're looking for more podcasts, try out our other great shows here, like State Your Case, actually. So recently we posted an interview that I did with Sam of State Your Case. He's a very smart guy, very um, well-spoken guy, and is also very funny, mm -hmm. so you should check that out. Yeah, he's unbelievably funny. Um, that was actually on Culture Shock. So interestingly enough, there's kind of your your major crossover there. Yeah. And you can find that video series as well as others of ours on YouTube. Um, and you can find all of our podcasts wherever you choose to listen to yours. Um, the, you know, whatever podcatching app you, you uh, prefer. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter at Colin M. Parker. You can also find me on Twitter at a tale zero or French at music. And you can find both of us at scavengers net. All right. So here's the deal, guys. Uh -oh. This episode airs on the 24th, right? This, uh, and then the next episode is on the 8th, May 8th, just four days before I graduate from college. Pretty wild. Uh, so thank you for joining us here on Journey Under 30. Once again, I'm Colin Parker. And I'm still Thomas Jernigan. And remember, no one likes you when you're 23 and not on the Forbes listings. 